health and racial disparities in uterine fibroids or non-cancerous tumors are unfortunately quite prevalent. Research indicates that 80% of black women are more likely to develop uterine fibroids by the age of 50 compared to white women. Not only are black women more likely to be diagnosed with uterine fibroids at an earlier age, but they also tend to experience more severe symptoms and complications like heavy menstrual bleeding and fertility issues. Additionally, fibroids may cause more than physical pain. Women with the condition also reported experiencing significant distress that negatively affect their quality of life, including depression, anxiety, body image issues, and their overall mental health. This psychological impact particularly affected black women in lower income brackets. The reasons for these disparities likely involve a complex interplay of genetic, environmental, and socioeconomic status. Some studies suggest disparities in healthcare access, including early detection and treatment, play a role and are potential factors. Therefore, addressing these disparities is essential to ensure equitable healthcare outcomes for all individuals. This public health issue is significant and has prompted a need for more community discussions and interventions promoting awareness, improving access to healthcare services, addressing clinician bias, eliminating structural determinants, and calling for more inclusive research free of scientific racism to understand better the underlying factors contributing to these disparities. In this episode of Badly Govern, Nadege Volsi White shares her experience living with uterine fibroids. Here we go. And remember, if you are not included, then chances are you are not represented. Meet Nadege V. White, an extraordinary individual with a diverse background that spans continents and cultures. Born in Haiti and raised in the United States and Canada, Nadej shares her powerful journey living with fibroids on our podcast. Nadej applies her professional expertise and financial acumen in the nonprofit health sector. Outside of work, she explores her passion for photography, capturing the essence of her surroundings. But that's not all. Nadej also enjoys Caribbean and West African cultural dance, adding a rhythmic touch to her vibrant life. As an avid explorer of beauty, diversity, and truth, Nadej has traveled extensively across the United States, Europe, Australia, Latin America, the Caribbean, Africa, and Canada. Her expression is a unique blend of quirky humor, deep respect for our inherent efficiency, and a love for embracing hope. Join us on a meaningful journey as we explore the layers of Nadej's life. Beyond the rich tapestry of experiences, we'll dive into a more personal chapter, shedding light on her courageous battle with uterine fibroids. On a personal note, Nadej is currently single, so get ready for a journey filled with laughter, insights, and a touch of wonder loss as we get to know the remarkable woman Nadej is. Uh, my name is Nadege White. I went to undergrad in Philadelphia 
and uh, got an undergraduate degree in something called multinational management, which no longer exists, which probably shows my age. But that's usually people will call that international business management. And um, for graduate school, I did international economics and finance and uh, study, got a chance to study abroad my last semester before I graduated, which was a great experience. So, and then uh, the University of Life. So my current condition is that I have several fibroids, believe it or not. And this is after several, several surgeries. Pretty much have lost count. I think I've had six or seven. Um, and I've also had a procedure called a uterine artery embolization that was supposed to bring early uh, menopause. So it made me go into menopause. So the goal was for it to stop feeding the fibroids. Um, the idea is that um, when, as a woman, when you have your period, you know, your uterus is shedding, uh, the lining of the uterus is shedding. And um, that process feeds the fibroids, right? It makes them grow. So I thought after having that procedure that they would have gone away. So my period stopped, so which was helpful because I had a very, very, very heavy cycle. Um, I would say since my, I'd say since my mid thirties. Um, so it wasn't all for naught, but I would say that the, the, the thought of the fibroids coming back, that was a big surprise to me. Um, so, um, so that's, that's the situation, you know, I've tried to do as many interventions as possible. Um, but fibroids are almost like the, the acne of, of the uterus, if you will. So generally every time you have a procedure like clockwork, five years later, there they are again. So it's a constant cycle. Um, I would say that, you know, I was, um, a, as you know, we've spoken about, uh, before, since we're friends, um, I was very asymptomatic, so I didn't necessarily have uh, pain. Um, I, you know, um, you know, I, I didn't have the, in terms of the, the excruciating, debilitating, um, other body parts just feeling awful. I didn't necessarily have that, but I did have a very, very, very heavy cycle and a very long cycle, and so that made me anemic. Um, so that, you know, I would say the the heavy cycle and the anemia was really sort of the the tough part for me i was first diagnosed in my early 30s um i wasn't even aware of it um i was someone that worked out a lot and so i didn't i didn't again present certain symptoms for you to know so you know i was pretty thin my stomach was flat um you know, because I worked out a lot, I thought my cycles were very heavy because women that work out a lot, either sometimes your cycle stops or it's just, it's irregular or it could be very heavy. So, you know, I was on, on the end of very heavy. So it never occurred to me that I had fibroids, but my mom had fibroids. So I knew that it was a possibility that genetically I would inherit that. Um, but it, it just didn't occur to me. And so, um, you know, I started having the heavy cycles and um, I was living down south at the time, and um, and they said, well, let's look into that. And and I think we I had a um, just a pelvic exam. The physician felt something kind of odd, so I actually had a biopsy. It was one of the most painful experiences I ever had. You know, uh, it was very painful. Luckily, you know, it was negative. But from there, that's how I knew that I I had um, at that time it was maybe a size of a tangerine. 
Um, and he said, well, you know, fibroids are benign. Um, as long as they don't bother you, we don't bother it. That was sort of the approach, um, that, that particular physician took. And, um, so that was, and then I would say maybe a year and a half later, um, I moved to California, um, cycles were getting, um, more heavy and, um, and so she was like, okay, now, now this is a year and a half. Now it's the size of a grapefruit. So you could see in that time span, it, it grew um, significantly. But again, they were like, oh, it's not bothering you. You don't need to bother it. Um, it's, you know, you, you're relatively healthy. And so what she has suggested that I get on birth control um, to help manage my cycle so it wouldn't be so heavy. Um, what I which wasn't the best advice. And this is just personally, you know, I think all of us are WebMDs at some point. And I think um, my theory is that the birth control made it grow, made them grow more. Um, and then um, I moved back to the East Coast and um, there, there was just, I had a ton in my psych. In, and so I had stopped taking the birth control. And of course my cycle came back like a deluge. And um, then I went to see someone and by that time, I had 11. I was very surprised. Um, uh, I tend to have a more um, can-do attitude. So I think, you know, perhaps it was a coping mechanism. So I just went into, okay, how am I going to address this? Um, I was worried about my fertility um, because I saw how it impacted my mom. And my, and back in the day when my mom had it, women that had fibroids, they would just get rid of their uterus. Um, they generally keep the ovaries, but they would just get rid of the, the uterus. And so, you know, hence why I'm an only child, right? So she just never had a chance to have more kids. And so, um, so for me, I would say the immediate emotion that I felt was probably panic. Um, and then I went into, okay, how are we, what are, how are we going to address this? How are, how are we going to go about, um, you know, alleviating all of this and what this is? Um, and also, again, just to go back to the, the fact that, you know, I had heavy cycles, that piece was very emotional for me because, you know, it developed a level of anxiety. I just knew that time of month, I don't know what could happen. I could have an accident, you know, I had to plan trips around it, even presentations at work. Um, it was always this, you know, it was this battle, if you will, that I always had to contend to, with. And, um, you know, with all battles, you have scars. And so I would say that, um, you know, the anxiety and the frustration and the, the, um, you know, the lack of, co of control, right. That you have, because as much as, as much as you can try to do, you know, I did, um, you know, I always, like I said, I was exercise. I did yoga, you know, I was vegetarian for eight years. Like I tried all kinds of things to see, you know, to, um, you know, diminish the, the, the possibility of them coming back or growing, but it just didn't matter. You know, uh, when you get your cycle as, as a young woman, you're in your teens and, you know, you're not necessarily thinking about that. You're even still seeing a pediatrician at that point. Um, I think I told you I, I was reluctant to leave my pediatrician because I love him so much. <clears throat> but when I got to college, he was like, OK, it's just time <laughs> to move on to a big girl doctor kind of thing. So, you know, I would say and then I went to college and then 
you know, in terms of really having a, a the tr- the first sort of gynecological experience, that really was until my mid, you know, mid twenties, really, like mm-hmm. to be honest. And so I would say that, you know, I don't know if the medical profession thinks about that when you have a 14, 15, 18, 19, 20 year old girl, right? Um, I don't recall anyone asking me, does your mother have a history of this? You know, maybe I might've had a question with respect to diabetes, high blood pressure. And even then, because of, you know, our age, oops, sorry, so how did you there? <laughs> um, that I don't even remember people asking me the history of cancer. I would say it wasn't past my thirties where, you know, you would get those kinds of questions. But as, as a young adult, you know, I say teen to young adult, it was like your, your standard, I'm screening. Right. Um, and to go back a little bit with respect to my mom, I wouldn't, I would say like, it wasn't until a little bit later, you know, when, when I became more active and, um, and, um, you know, interacting with other people, meeting other people, you know, moving away from, from New England, I, you know, started learning a little bit more, but to be honest, I didn't, you know, I would hear people in my family say, oh, you know, Nadej could get it or whatever, but I didn't truly understand the genetic piece of it, right? As lay people, um, we're, even though we take science classes, it's, I would say it's probably not until later in life where you've interacted with scientists or, you know, you've maybe taken a few courses or uh, you've watched some PBS and you start to learn certain things. But otherwise, I would say like I didn't necessarily understand that I could, re- I knew it was a possibility, but it wasn't in the front of my mind, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it wasn't something that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say um, with respect to back to the um, part about screening and, and sort of medical providers, no, not really. It wasn't something where um, they would bring up. And then once I got older, once I was diagnosed with it and started looking into it and studying, it's so many black women that have this. And so if the fact that you had a you know, 26, 27 year old woman um, that's sexually active in front of you, and maybe you have this data, maybe you don't, because I don't know what they, you know, what they study in medical school. Not once did that question come up, mm. right? So it was, it was more, you know, there wasn't a preventative aspect to it. It was, it was sort of like, oh, you know, I feel something. Now we're reacting to it. Um, but you know, could there have been something that could have been done? So like I, to you know, in terms of the the birth control, right? That right there that could have been something where, oh, you have a history, a family history of this. And given that, you know, this affects your hormones, this might not be um, the best approach to dealing with your heavy cycle. Let's think of something else that might not put your hormones out of balance and create an environment for them to just blossom and grow. So I don't know if angry is quite the, now I can, in hindsight, I feel the anger but I think in the moment, again, I, 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 I didn't stay there so much because I was so concerned about how do I address this? How do um, this happened? It's awful. But now what do I what do I need to do? Because the rest of your life is right now. Right. So 
I wanted to to address it and deal with it. You know, I was very fortunate to, you know, I am still very fortunate to have amazing, um, I call them fan friends in my life and they were of great support. But actually two of my friends were going through the same thing. And so, I, you know, I wasn't necessarily alone in it. We were just trying to figure it out. And so one of the ways, um, you know, some of us tried to do it was trying to find a, a black female gynecologist, which is like a unicorn. <laughs> it's, you know, there are not many of them. And so when you have, let's say, someone that is of your background and of your gender, they can have at least some idea of how this affects you. Maybe it's through your diet, again, genetics, um, the stressful environment, oh, you know, whatever it is that may impact you because of your makeup and how it creates something where this thing can, um, you know, take off um, and cause more damage. And so, you know, as someone that I would consider myself intellectual by nature, you know, I think of the bigger picture, right, of all the different things that impact let's say my particular community, and there really isn't a platform to address it. I don't see that there's an avenue by which where we could say, okay, this is what's going on. What do we, what can we do to mitigate this to the point of eradication? And as someone that works in healthcare and I've worked in research, you know, it's not there, right? The money is not there. Um, Is it because the people that look like us don't have a lot of money, right? And we don't, a lot of the benefactors don't necessarily, um, that's not something that affects their community. So you don't see the funding go towards that so that you would have more information um, down to the level of even, you know, middle school, right? When young girls are starting to go through puberty, that they understand <clears throat> this is a possibility. This is very prevalent, Um for young black and brown girls. Um, and so maybe you would think about that. You would change your diet. You would change how you do things or you would become more informed. By the time a lot of, now it's a little different. By the time I would say my generation, generation after me found that out, it was sort of like you're in reaction mode, right? You're, you, you don't, you can't take the preventative approach. Now there are a lot of amazing um, women out there that have holistic programs that you can go on um, to see what you can do, but it's a complete lifestyle change. I mean, it's almost like you have to almost become a yogi or guru for it to happen. And because it can come back, they keep coming back. It's almost like you would need to maintain that lifestyle so that that wouldn't occur. Not very, very, um, I would say uh, realistic. You know, I think Oftentimes, you know, the, the education that you start to get, you know, as, as a young teen, if you will, it's around, you know, STDs or um, pregnancy, um, um, you know, it's really, it tends, you know, or orientation, not that those things aren't important, but there is, you know, very, to your point, very real life consequences, future consequences for not understanding what you have. Uh, sort of a genetic disposition towards, right? Um, so, you know, definitely I would say that in the literature and the pamphlets and in the discussions, that that is something that would be really helpful. I think if young women just knew this, you know, young um, black and brown women just knew that this was a possibility. I mean, 
to be honest, you know, my, my friends that have, uh, daughters that are, you know, again, I, I make sure that they're a little bit more mature, but you know, people that have, uh, people in my life that have daughters that I would say 18 or more, you know, and I'm close to them and I'm comfortable with them. I tell them, I say, look, free, if you have the way freeze your eggs, right? Find something, you know, freeze your eggs, understand what's going on in this area, right? Because yes, it has, you know, very real consequences, like the heavy cycle, like I cannot stress how much that stresses, right? Um, but then there are other things to your point. Sometimes, you know, it could be some, a, a, a fibroid that's growing outside of your uterus and it causes major bleeding and the person can bleed to death, right? Um, there's so many things that can occur that has dire, dire circumstances. So, and then, you know, obviously if you want to, you know, become a parent one day or, you know, it could, you know, as much as they say they're benign, some of them can lead to cancer. Um, it, it can create an environment that it can, you know, do other things to your body. It can affect other organs. So it's, it's very important and it's very serious. And I don't think that, um, again, it's part of the literature. It's part of the sort of education of a young woman understanding from head to toe what her body is about, right? And what it can do and what it can't do and what you can do to make sure that, um, you know, it's your body, right? But I kind of feel to a certain extent, you know, we're, we constantly talk about choice with respect to, you know, um, what the world's talking about now, but that's also a choice, right? But you can get to a point where you no longer have a choice, right? Because it's too far gone. But if you were informed or if you had the conversation, um, it, it could have helped. Right. Um, so maybe it might not lead to death, but you know, it could lead to, so, you know, not to make it trivial, but let's say you have, uh, I'm, you know, I'm speaking from experience. I had a job interview and, um, you know, I was on my cycle and I had a major accident and I couldn't go. Right. It was like last minute. Um, you know, you might hear people, there were people in my life say, Oh, God didn't want you to have it. You weren't meant to have it. Okay. But nonetheless, I didn't make it because of something that that could have been prevented, right? Um, you know, fine, I'm working now. That's not the point. But that is something that I had to contend with personally. Um, not as much of a big deal. You know, you can recover from that. But there are other things that you can't recover from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's it. And so, you know, it would be... And I, and I also feel that there's some level of embarrassment right? There's some level of shame. I certainly felt shame because I was always concerned that, you know, I can have an accident or, um, you know, fertility, all these different things. So I definitely know there is an element, a large element of shame associated with it. And oftentimes with shame comes silence, right? You don't talk about it. In our community, we are very well known not to talk about certain things, to keep things suppressed, um, particularly if it's emotional, you power through your resilient, strong black woman, you know, I don't know if that's helping us to a certain degree. So that's us, right? That's us in terms of making sure that we're vocal and we talk about it. That's why I'm here, right? I, I'm a very private person, but this is so important to me that I wanted to at least put some kind of dent 
and in this um, very, very serious situation. Um, but it's, um, you know, the, the emotions, it, it definitely runs the gamut in terms of, you know, the, the spectrum of where, you know, you, you or this other person falls, but there is a spectrum, right? It can go from, you know, zero to 100 and it's, and it's, and it's tough. And it's probably something that with the environment and <clears throat> our foods and um, the chemicals and all that stuff, it's going to get worse, right? Before it would even possibly get better. So given that you have all these external factors that can um, exacerbate a genetic predisposition, that's even more scary. You know, I had I have a very strong um, support uh, a sister friend, really my sisters, I, I consider them plus a couple of males uh, that are in my, my world, my family orbit and, you know, amazing. I don't know what I would do without you guys. Um, so that was huge. Um, but I think the most important thing before we even go there is we have to let ourselves be vulnerable. If I can, if I can stress anything is allow yourself to be vulnerable and allow yourself <clears throat> to ask for help. I can't stress that enough. Um, I was guilty of it, right? It, it, I got to the point where it's like I had to, right? Because it was a, a point of desperation because you, you know, you keep it to yourself. Like I said, there's some level of shame or you don't want people knowing your business or, you know, also is putting my mother's business out there, um, um, what have you. So it's, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. Um, but I would definitely say that that's the first step, um, in order to, to, to get help you get past that emotion. You don't ever really get past it. Um, but you learn to coexist with it and try not to let it control your life. Right. And those that you love, um, you know, in my case, uh, I would say that again, I think I, t I took more of the action, right? What are you going to do? Surgery, talk to, you know, medical professionals, um, doing yoga, taking, uh, folkloric dance classes, changing my diet. So I was very sort of like action oriented, task oriented about it, um, to try to, to combat it, to address it. Um, and then I think on the emotional side, um, to really come to terms with it, to be honest, that probably took a back seat, right? But which wasn't good, right? Because you're still suppressing it. That probably fed the fibroids, right? Probably didn't help. Uh, but that that was that was a big part of it. But as you know, I think when it kept happening over and over again, um, and you know, it affects your dating life. It, it's just all aspects of it that you know. I realized that okay, I need to to talk to somebody and address this. Now, a med, you know, the my therapist can't really do anything for me medically, but gave me tools in which to, to, um, to cope with it. Um, and to really understand, um, as much as you can not to fear it, um, and to look for support and love from people in your life so that, because you don't know what the outcome will be. And so that you can, you cannot control, but as much as you can control, um, the level of authenticity for yourself, for myself and those around me. Um, that was something that I started to do more and more. And honestly, to, to kind of accept that this is something that I have. 
it's there is a piece of acceptance that almost gives you peace you know it's kind of you know using both words right the homonyms that they are but you know that that helped me to a certain degree because it was sort of like because when you're constantly in fight mode you're you're not paying attention you're you're distracted and whatever else is happening is not being addressed so I think there was a part of me that was like, okay, this is what I'm having to deal with. And of course I have to take action and see medical professionals, but I also have to say, okay, what can I do with what I have to live as much of a full life as possible? And so, you know, you travel around it or, you know, as I, I think I've told, I told you before, like, all my bottoms are, are black, dark blue, you know, it's sort of like the reality I had to deal with. Um, there were even times when I could feel that it was going to be particularly uncomfortable. You know, I'd wear like three pads, you know, and that's tough, you know, but it was, I would say the big part was just coming out, <laughs> coming out of the closet of the fibroid, heavy cycle closet and just letting people know this is what I suffer from. So if you're with me and you see something happening, look out for me. Like, oop, Nadej, I think I see a little spot. You know, let's go to the bathroom, um, bring an extra pair of clothes. And so it was, it, it became, now it was obviously I'm dealing with it. It's my problem. But because of my community, I felt supported and, you know, it was, I wasn't dealing with it alone. Um, what was interesting was that there was a part of me that didn't necessarily want to talk to my mom about it because I felt like it would make her sad. Um, but, you know, I did sit down and talk with her and she, you know, she was saying, you know, interesting that you are having all these fibroid surgeries. And she said, you know, for me, it was sort of like, it made her feel like, well, I didn't even have that option. So it's sort of like, I'm like, woe is me, woe is me. But her experience was like, child, I wish I could have had, uh, uh, fireboard removals and still had my uterus. I didn't even have that option. So that was an interesting conversation to have with her and hear her perspective. Um, so there is sort of that as well, where you look at yourself and say, Hey, you know, there are others to your point that die or, you know, they don't even have their uterus anymore or they're infertile or all these different kinds of things. Or, you know, in the case of my mom, you know, she was in so much pain every month. She couldn't even go to school. So again, I was asymptomatic in that sense. So I didn't necessarily have that, but I had the, the issue of it was so heavy, perhaps I couldn't attend certain things. So, you know, you have, you know, like in her case and lots of other women, not only is it very heavy, but they're in major, major pain. So, you know, I think sometimes it's not that you're using comparison, but even in life, you might complain about where you are, but there's always somebody that's much more worse, um, much worse rather. And, um, somehow I did find some bit of, you know, gratefulness, right. To, to, again, could be coping mechanisms. It could be sort of how I'm wired to kind of, to, to get through it. Um, but you know, I think there's, there's a part of me that, you know, I am a fighter, right? That's just part of who, how my makeup. And so, you know, it's very much so like, okay, you get me down. I'm going to try to get back up. But I think what this experience did for me 
it forced me to realize sometimes you need somebody to help you get back up or sometimes you know you might just uh, need to lay your ass there for a while yes. <laughs> and get some rest I would say the 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 common thread is choice mm-hmm. right are the choices taken away from us because we were not educated to understand how this can impact us and so again if a young lady knows that she has a genetic predisposition and, you know, sugar, right? Fibroids love sugar. You know, maybe she does, she has a very low sugar diet, right? So to your point in terms of prevention. So it's that choice that um, I would say um, in hindsight, I, w- I would say was for me, right? And lots of other, other women is taken away from you because if the right questions would have been asked, um, perhaps you, your, um, that cell or, you know, the pre that wouldn't have woken up and, you know, could have maybe stayed a little bit more dormant and you, and it could have coexisted, um, with, in, 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 in your body. And so it's even to the point where something like this, like, I didn't know that, you know, I always learned that, oh, fibroids love blood, which is true, but I didn't know that sugar is something that makes the tumor grow that much more. That's huge information. And so you have control over that, right? A woman has control over that. You know, she can do certain things to, to not do that. Stress makes them grow. Maybe you don't take the investment banker route, right? You think of becoming a dietitian or something else, like very real life decisions that can have major physical impact, uh, good or bad on your body. But where you have sort of like the you ha- you're fully informed, and then you make your choice. Now you know again, there's some element that you cannot um, uh, really impact, but there's some that you can, and that could potentially you know help uh, you and maybe diminish the chances of it getting um, to the point where it's um, no longer manageable. Mm-hmm. Ask questions do your research. No question is dumb. Um, talk to the, to the women in your family, family, talk to the elders. Um, you know, obviously it's a different generation. You have to approach them a certain way. Um, but in confidence, talk to them. Sometimes if you are able to, you know, listen, you know, I would say listen a lot more, um, to experiences of other women around you and then see if there's a similarity. Is there something that this particular woman is going through? Maybe you're, you could say, oh, you know, let me check for myself. But really just um, advocate for yourself. Do not be, I think oftentimes, and this is all women, we often don't speak up, right? We feel that we don't have a voice and that we... we um, are making someone uncomfortable. We don't want to do that. Uh, trust me, uh, discomfort from a conversation is way better <laughs> than discomfort from fibroids and, and, you know, a heavy cycle. I would take that any day. So, you know, again, um, be your own advocate. Listen to, 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 those, to the women around you. Speak to the elders that have come before you because they probably have a lot to impart um, to, uh, to help you, uh, navigate. Um, and I would say also, uh, watch your diet. 
right? Watch, watch, watch your environment. You know, what you put in your body, what you put around your body affects your body a great deal and your mind, right? And your mind actually affects your body. So, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's true. So all of that, it's, 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 it's not as much as of a tall order as it might seem, as long as you approach it with going back to what I said with humility, right? And being able to, um, um, ask for help. And that, that's something that I would say is, is really important. And, um, you know, give yourself grace. So even let's say you didn't figure it out right away. That's okay. Give yourself grace. Once you know, do whatever you can about it, um, with your medical professionals, uh, with your community. If you're part of a church, a mosque, a synagogue, a temple, uh, you know, talk to those women. It might not necessarily need to be women that's in your immediate family, even your immediate circle. Somebody else might be going through it and that that person can be of, of major help. And then also speak to the younger generation, get to the young girls. Some it might not necessarily come from a plant pamphlet right now from official, you know, literature in a, in a, you know, ninth grade class, biology class, but there's nothing that's not better than having a conversation with someone that, you know, that has gone through that experience. Um, and so that that young girl doesn't feel ashamed and knows that it's okay and that there are avenues and there are people that you can talk to, but that's really important to, to get to the young ladies, um, about this. And so that they know, um, you know, how they can impact themselves and, you know, their, their fellow sisters, the fathers, the brothers, the husbands, the boyfriends, the best friends, the cousins, of course, um, to, there is a, you know, there's a stigma, right? Have anything having to do with the reproductive system, whether it's your period, it's the fact that your stomach is getting big because you have a gazillion fibroids or you're infertile, um, or, um, you know, a number of things, right. That, that, that deal with that part of the woman's body. There's shame around it you know, around other women, we'll, we're open, we talk about it, but we're uncomfortable to talk about it around the men in our lives. And so I think if, if men could be maybe less grossed out, <laughs> right, by it, it, it would give us permission to maybe be more open, not even necessarily with you, but around you, right? To be like, oh, you know, our flow is in town but she flowing real strong today, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So like where you can, I could say that joke to a man and not feel self-conscious about it. Right. We as women joke to each other about it, but you know, I don't know if I've you know joked about off flow with, you know, a significant other or, you know, my dad when he was still alive or anything. Like, I don't think I've done that. Um, or even said it in there in, in you guys' presence. Right. So there is something to the fact that um, the same way that we are trying to normalize mental health, um, it would be wonderful if we could normalize the female reproductive process. Right. From the from the time that you get your you know, you go through puberty, it's like you learn to, you know, not talk about it too much and, you know, you know, 
you know, all this stuff. And um, it shouldn't be that way because without it, none of us would be here, <laughs> right? It's life. It's life. And so all of us had to go through a womb to get here. But somehow um, there's shame associated with the things that need to happen for us to be here on this planet. And so I would love for us um, to be able to celebrate that with our brothers in, 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 in the world um, and be comfortable enough with it and not feel uh, ashamed about it. Um, and just, um, and again, you know, as, as much as you guys could get around it, but just, just, just to embrace it as something that's beautiful and it's, it's, it's a part, it's, it's life and um, look at the beauty of it and what it means and in, in the root of it and not necessarily feel as uncomfortable about, about it and around it. I think, um, you know, and then that you are more, that you can be supportive and um, let us know that it's not a big deal um, and it's part of being a woman and you got us, that you got us. And to the Haitian sisters, Kimbe Jum, Palagi.